Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I don't think anybody's, you know, as much as we'd like to have them, it's, it, we are who we are right now. This is the Believe in Trailblazers show. The Portland Trailblazers have won the World Championship. On Believe Podcast Network. Boom, chakalaka! Portland's number one sports podcast network. Now. The Blazers win in four overtime. 40 to 137. Here's your host, Jordan Schultz. Well, they are who they are, right? Or like my dad always says, it is what it is. Even head coach Terry Stotts is having trouble finding the words to describe the Blazers situation right now. Outside of saying that Rip City looks like a literal mash unit at this point, none of our minds can do the tricks or word gymnastics to describe this team in any other way than the most simple way possible. The old adage that they are who they are. And who the Portland Trailblazers are right now is a team that's been hanging around three games or so out of the playoffs, fighting for that final playoff spot in the Western Conference while so broken, so injured. All the questions about their defense or why... They let teams go on big runs during games. They're pointless at this point of the season, fans. How can you win a gunfight when you show up without almost any bullets? This last road trip without Damian Lillard, at least the first two games in Indiana, in Atlanta, that was hard to watch, Uh, mostly because the Blazers were leading at different points in those two games, only to give up wins that, in my opinion, are essential down the stretch to Atlanta and Indiana. So can the Portland Trailblazers still make the playoffs? Yes, but their backs are against the wall now. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you for episode nine of Believe in Trailblazers on the Believe Podcast Network. Believe is Portland's number one sports podcast network. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? If you have any burning questions about Rip City you want answered on the show, or if you heard something I said and want to tell me I'm crazy, Hit me up on Twitter. It's on the air, Jordan, with an O. On the air, Jordan, J-O-R-D-O-N. The show available wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and tune in. So, Blazers fans, the bottom of the Western Conference cellar, it's starting to get crowded at this point. Portland's still floating around that same spot they've been in for months. Three games or so out of the eighth spot. But as we get closer to the end of the 2019-2020 season, there are other teams that are in that same position. Now at this point, you've got at least three. You've got the San Antonio Spurs, you've got the Sacramento Kings, and the surging New Orleans Pelicans, who I think are balling out of their asses right now. So many teams fighting for the same exact spot greatly reduces Portland chances and that makes it at least in my opinion that the Blazers will need to win most of their remaining games most of them to get that eighth spot doesn't sound like it's affecting the players too much though even though it's really do or die Uh, here's Carmelo Anthony after the Pacers game talking about his experience viewing the long season each year in different sections. I've always broke the seasons down and you know you have your preseason, then you have the first 20 games, then you you know you evaluate after the 20, then you go to the next 20, then you have the break and after the break is when you really start to turn it up, right? And you start to lock in and focus for that postseason. Then when postseason comes, that's a different level of intensity. 
And obviously now we are sitting after the All-Star break uh, and the Blazers trying to get that level of intensity, <laughs> trying, <laughs> we need to clarify, trying to get that level of intensity that you need to get into the playoffs. The Portland Trailblazers are desperate at this point. I mean, how desperate are you as a team? You have to be on your last leg. If Mario Herzonia is running the point guard at times late in the game, which was happening against Indiana last week, that alone speaks to how much of a mash unit this team is right now, and even more so after Anfordy Simons went down against Atlanta. So you just, even though it could be a minor injury, it, it could be something worse, but any other body going down like Anthony, you're suffering injuries like bowling balls knocking down pins at this point. It's really not good for the Blazers. With all those injuries, you're kind of forcing guys to play extended minutes, and so late in the season, shoot, they looked tired and defeated. About three minutes to go, 16 points down against Atlanta after that game against Indiana. So with so many teams vying for one spot, there's just not much room for error. And the Blazers, unfortunately, have a lot of things going on causing a lot of errors. Uh, I mean, take, for instance, their game against Indiana. The Blazers were super comfortable, nice lead at halftime. But if you examine that a little bit, it's mostly because DeMontis Sabonis was in foul trouble and wasn't playing much in that first half. When he came back and scored his ass off in the second, it was all but over, and Portland ended up losing 106-100. to uh, Simply, folks, they're running out of games where they can allow one guy to come back and beat them. And some people, fans out there, may think I'm a bit extreme, that I think the Blazers are going to need to win most of their games to grab that last spot in the Western Conference, but I will stand by my guns here. I tweeted out last week that I thought the Blazers needed to win 20 out of their final 23 games to make the playoffs for sure. And I was immediately challenged by a friend of the program, as well as Blazers radio play-by-play -play voice, Travis Demers. Uh, tweeting that out, 20 out of 23 was necessary. Travis immediately back to me, how do you figure that math? And I say, I figure Memphis is going to win at least 15, but more importantly, the Blazers have teams nipping at their heels, including New Orleans with an absolute man-child in Zion. Got to be near perfect. Then Travis gets back to me again. Whoever gets in won't have more than 41 wins, which is a decent point. He says Memphis has the toughest schedule in the NBA left. 15 and 10 is a reach for them. Pels go 16 and 8 to get to 41. Nobody is getting close to 45 or 46 wins. And I respond to that. You're right on. Can't disagree at all. I've got an irrational fear. One out of the handful of teams at the bottom of the cellar will make a magical run. So I do agree with play-by-play -play voice of the Blazers, Travis Demers' sentiment that it's going to be a stretch for a lot of these teams at the bottom of the cellar, the Spurs, the Kings, to, to get up near 45 wins. But the New Orleans Pelicans, they have got such an easy schedule. I mean, you're looking at like the likes of the Atlanta Hawks, the San Antonio Spurs, the Phoenix Suns, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves are on their schedule as well. The, the New Orleans Pelicans do not have a tough season remaining. It's very winnable for them. Unless Dame comes back and leads Portland to a win almost every single game because of how winnable I believe the Pelicans schedule is, I'm going to go out on a limb here in early March and say that New Orleans is going to go on a run. And if anyone unseats Memphis for that last spot, it's going to be the Pelicans. Zion Williamson balling like a man possessed since he took the floor. It's like scoring 20 for him is easy already as a rookie. 
him and Brandon Ingram, uh, Lonzo Ball really starting to come into his own. They are a lethal combo together. So, yeah, the Pelicans aren't that good at the moment, but they've shown those flashes of brilliance this season, especially since Zion Williamson has taken the court. It is so crowded at the bottom of the Western Conference this year, and the Blazers are going to need Damian Lillard because of that crowd if they want any shot at competing against the other four teams that are also in this battle. So at this point, I I like the Blazers' chances. I still think that they can get into the playoffs, but like the title of Episode 9 of Believe in Trailblazers, their backs are against the wall. They have no more room for error, and they are waiting desperately for Damian Lillard to get back. And while waiting desperately for Dame to return and keep the Blazers on life support in their battle for the eighth spot in the Western Conference playoffs, fans wondering why there is still no date for Yusuf Nurkic's return from that awful leg fracture he suffered last year. Uh, You know, I love all of his colorful suits, but I am getting pretty tired of not seeing him in uniform. Pretty damn tired of it. Uh, Yusuf spoke to The Athletic last week, and he talked about the need to participate in more practices before he starts playing in games. There's kind of a problem, though, with that. It's late in the season, and NBA teams simply don't practice nearly as much at this point of the year as they did at the beginning, so they can keep their bodies rested down the stretch. The game's obviously a lot more important to the team at this point. Practice is not so much. So a quote from Yusuf Nurkic talking about this battle to get back out onto the court uh, to the athletic. Quote, Yusuf, it's hard to give hope because there is no dates. So it's hard to talk about anything. No dates for his return is what he's talking about. Uh, Once again, Yusuf saying, I have no dates. So all the rumors, they don't make sense. People are going to say he's coming back today, tomorrow, next week, a week later. But I have no dates. As frustrated as we are as fans, you got to imagine that Yusuf himself is gripping more and more inside with each game that he's not playing right now. The team needs his lockdown defense. They need it more than a dry sandwich needs mayonnaise. That's the best anecdote I can come up with to explain the severe need for defense for the Blazers. All season, we've been hearing about Yusuf Nurkic's target for returning was right around the All-Star break. Well, now we're three weeks after, and Nurkic is still out. The Blazers pretty vague about his recovery, and I think the last concrete thing I remember uh, was hearing about a calf strain he suffered right after getting back onto the court. I think that was sometime in January. Hell, Nurkic himself couldn't even tell The Athletic in this article that we're talking about which basketball activities he is and isn't allowed to do at this point. The one thing for sure is that Yusuf, and he said this himself, he needs more practice before coming back. The second week of March uh, will most likely provide more chances for practice, but we're getting down to the wire, Blazers fans. I think it's worth asking if Yusuf Nurkic will play at all in 2019 and 2020. And then, since we haven't heard anything about Yusuf, what about anything on Zach Collins? You can pretty much kiss any chance of him returning this year goodbye, especially if Nurkic doesn't come back. It's not looking great, Rip City. I'll be up front with you. The, the mass unit going on, all the guys that would maybe be hopes to come back, like Collins and Nurkic, and we're not hearing a damn thing about them. There's a lot of frustration that fans have had to just keep bottled up all year. 
I mean, for me, there's only, there's only so many letdowns that one person can take. It's okay to be pissed, Rip City. I know I am. No one thought they'd be dealing with so many injuries. Though I think it's pretty obvious that without Rodney Hood, the Blazers desperately are missing that wing player that can shoot the three and defend well, kind of like Mo Harkless, uh, something that Peter Sampson, guest from 750 The Game in Portland, was on Believe in Trailblazers episode 8 talking about. That need for that D, that glue guy, it just hasn't been there this year. You've been hearing this for weeks now. If the team were healthy, no one would want to play them in the first round of the Western Conference playoffs. All right, totally. That's true. I think Charles Barkley said it. I think Shaq has said it. I think everybody and their mother on ESPN and Fox Sports 1 have said it. It's totally true. All right, the Blazers, healthy or lethal in the Western Conference. But they are not healthy, okay? Let's just deal with facts. They're down Rodney Hood, Zach Collins, Yusuf Nurkic, maybe Amperty Simons, and Damian Lillard. And they basically have to fill the gaps with younger, inexperienced guys. So minus Gary Trent Jr. emerging as the X factor for the Blazers of this year, there haven't been a lot of things to root for, maybe besides Dame Dalla playing like a straight-up god for about a month. So once again, I do think the Blazers can make the playoffs, but I will start to lean towards the Pelicans if A, Dame can't come back now, like this week, and B, Portland doesn't get every single easy game one left on their schedule. They have to get those easy wins. They have to take care of business, and they have to do it at home. All right, I have to do something fun before this week in Blazers history, my favorite part of the show every week. Uh, they were in Atlanta Saturday night. Uh, Hawk star Trey Young is one of the young stars in the NBA right now. In that group, alongside the likes of Jason Tatum, Aaron Gordon, uh, Bam Abadayo, others like that that are kind of the young faces of the league. And rightfully so, uh, Trey Young is an absolute beast. Fifth overall pick in 2018, was already a first-time All-Star this year. Uh, one of the reasons that Trey in particular is so popular is because of the fun that he injects into games with his moves, with the, some of the things he does against opponents, his personality, really just drops highlight after highlight and gets the attention of the, all the young basketball fans around the world on social media. So Trey Young, really talented, really good, great for the NBA, and Trey well known for trying to go nutmeg on his defender and embarrass them. Uh, if you don't know what nutmeg in sports terms means, it's basically when you dribble the ball through someone's legs or you shoot a hockey puck through someone's legs. Basically, it's meant to make your opponent look really bad. <laughs> if you're not picking up on that so far, meant to embarrass them. Trey does this pretty often. Uh, you can go YouTube, uh, Twitter, Instagram. I'm sure you can find many highlights of him going nutmeg on people and just making them look bad on the way down the court, and Trey tried to do that on Saturday night against the Portland Trailblazers and Trevor Ariza. He might want to be more careful in the future of who he picks to do this to. He attempted to show Trevor Ariza up in the fourth quarter on Saturday night, and Ariza, the old-school veteran, was not having it. Here comes Trey Young. Oh, now he's he trying to clown. See, Trevor not having it. Trevor trying to put the dribble it. between the wickets of Ariza, who stood him up and fouled him hard. Yeah. That's right. Trey tries to go nutmeg and gets shut right down. The old school veteran will not 
put up with any kind of clowning, as you heard Lamar Hurd put it on Blazers TV, along with Kevin Calabro. And Trey Young basically at that moment getting handed a bit of discipline from the savvy vet in Trevor Ariza for breaking an unwritten rule, so to speak, in the NBA's vast book of unwritten rules. You better be careful, as I'm sure Ariza isn't the only vet who has been thinking about teaching him a lesson, that's for sure. Tries to throw right between his legs, which he's done to a lot of people this year. Tre- Tre- Trevor not playing that. Trevor will take the, the foul and the tech and whatever else before he's going to let you do that. None of that nutmeg here. Not around Trevor Ariza. Uh, I respected Trevor long before this whole incident, and now I respect the guy even more. Telling Trey, showing the young gun how things work in a professional league like this. Here's what Trevor had to say about teaching Trey Young a lesson. There are rules, and there are rules within the rules, and um, anybody that plays professional basketball knows that throwing the ball between your legs is something that you do you know, with your peers or people that you don't have any respect for. <laughs> so there you have it, Rip City. I have been loving watching Trevor Ariza and what he brings to the table for the Portland Trail Blazers. He's been hitting threes, plays that strong defense, gets a lot of steals, doing the little things that don't show up on the stat sheet every night. Even if he offered none of that, his I-don't-take-bleep attitude is enough to entertain me and make sure that I am screaming at Neil O'Shea to exercise that team option this summer so they can bring Ariza back next year. They need this kind of fire. They need that old-school attitude. They have to bring him back. Neil, after this, it's got to be a lockdown move. Ever since everyone has been talking about Ariza putting a stop to Young's antics since it happened last Saturday night, so I wouldn't be doing my job as host to Believe in Trailblazers if I didn't bring it up this week. And Trey says he's not about to stop nutmegging after that. So I cannot wait to see who the next guy in the NBA is to express his displeasure about it. Or maybe, you know, teach Trey a lesson, if you will. Okay, basketball fans, now it's time for my favorite part of the show this week in Blazers history. If you're new to the podcast, it's where we take time to acknowledge a historical player or moment that was important to the team that happened around that week. And this week in Blazers history, we're going to go way back, way back. 45 years ago this week, February 26th, 1975, Blazers star and former NBA Rookie of the Year, Sidney Wicks grabbed a franchise record 27 rebounds against the Los Angeles Lakers. That's right. We're going to talk about Sidney Wicks grabbing all of those boards 45 years ago this week. Uh, a lot of younger people probably don't remember Sidney Wicks or even know who he is. Uh, Wicks accomplishing this milestone in just his fourth year out of UCLA and did it in Los Angeles, of course. You heard me say it was the L.A. Lakers. He's actually from L.A., so that was pretty cool for Sidney Wicks to do that. Uh, if you've never heard of him, Sidney Wicks, yes, from UCLA, one of John Wooden's students of the game, and... This final season on the Blazers uh, that he set this all-time franchise record for rebounds, 27, was actually Bill Walton's rookie year. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to find highlights from this specific game where he set the record for rebounds. I looked everywhere. Uh, Trust me, Rip City, I really did try. But I was able to find something almost just as cool. 
Some other highlights available on the internet. The 1975 All-Star Game with Sidney Wicks in it. And Brent Musburger was on the call. That's right. Listen to this. That's the Wicks. Allen's. Good move. Got the hoop. Drew the foul. Chance for the three-point play. Sidney Wicks, the second overall draft pick in 1971 by the Portland Trailblazers, uh, took home Rookie of the Year honors that season. Made the all-star team in each of his four seasons in the NBA, all with the Trailblazers. Uh, Wicks wearing number 21 in Portland. Uh, the actual game in which he set a franchise record for rebounds, 27, went down to the wire. Uh, it was a double overtime contest. Wicks ended up playing the most minutes overall in 52 minutes. The Blazers able to squeak by with a one-point win and they got that win on the backs of Wicks, Jeff Petrie, Lloyd Neal, and John Johnson. Incidentally, Pat Riley coming off the bench for the Lakers, scoring 10 points in 23 minutes. Uh, Sydney, despite his success, unfortunately was sold to the Boston Celtics after the 1975-76 season. And his career pretty much just went downhill pretty quickly after that. Uh, many within the Portland organization at the time, uh, front office types, coaches, and players, Considered him, quote, a malcontent and a player who had the makeup of a leader but was more out to serve himself than the group. Of course, the Blazers, right after Sidney left, they won their only championship ever in 1977, the very next year. And Wicks went on to play five more seasons in the NBA, never averaging more than 15.1 points per game again. He was known as much for his early decline as his early peak. Uh, his scoring output decreased every season after his rookie year. 24.5 points a game, winning the Rookie of the Year for the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, overall, in five years with the Blazers, he averaged 22 points a game, 10 rebounds. Then, of course, after he was sold to the Celtics, he went on to play for the San Diego Clippers until 1981. Overall, over 10 seasons in the NBA, averaged almost 17 points and almost nine rebounds. But when he was in his prime, he was one of the best scorers and rebounders in the game. Archibald with a bounce around to Abdul-Jabbar. Hello, hello! Wicks, wrong enough. That was another clip from the 75 All-Star game. Wicks also held the Blazers' record for team double-doubles until 2015. Uh, LaMarcus broke that, got his 220th double-double against the Phoenix Suns that season. Lionel Hollins, a teammate of Sidney Wicks at the time, quoted as saying he was the prototype of power forwards today, whose rookie year in Portland was Wicks' last season there. So not only was Bill Walton a rookie, but Lionel Hollins was a rookie. He was big. This is another quote. He was big, could run the court, shoot, post up, pass, put the ball on the floor. He could do it all as a player, and he played hard, end quote. Unfortunately, though, Sidney Wicks clashing a lot of the time there with second-year guard Jeff Petrie. Uh, Jeff Petrie averaging almost 25 points while getting all-star recognition and co-rookie of the year honors. And, of course, when you bring two strong personalities in like that, uh, they're probably going to clash. And five seasons later, they never really gelled, and that's according to Kerry Eggers in an article uh, from the Portland Tribune back in 2006. So despite being one of the best young players in the NBA in the early 70s and still holding the Blazers' all-time single-game record for rebounds, Sidney Wicks will always leave basketball fans who watched in that era wondering if he could have been one of the all-time greats. The talent was certainly there, but his attitude and the clash with Jeff Petrie and other teammates are huge reasons why he is remembered as good and not great.
Well, basketball fans, that is a wrap on Episode 9 of Believe in Trailblazers. If you have any burning questions about the team you want answered or think I'm crazy, a lot of people do, hit me up on Twitter on the Air Jordan with an O. This show is available wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Please, please, please hit the download button and subscribe wherever you listen. You'll really be helping me out and get that random algorithm to show this podcast to as many new listeners as possible. You can also find the show at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com and Believe Podcasts on Twitter. If you like the show, please tell all of your fellow fans about the newest Trailblazers podcast on the blog. Also, if you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact us at Believe.com. That's all for now, Portland fans. I'm Jordan Schultz, and I'll talk to you next week. Rip City, baby. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.